Welcome back to the I Know Lonely podcast. I am your host, Luke Wall. I am so excited for season two to be launching of the I Know Lonely project. This year, we have nine storytellers that I am so excited to be sharing with you about. These nine storytellers range in all sorts of different types of stories. And if this is your first time listening, or if you've been a longtime listener, just to let you know why we share these stories. We share these stories because they do two different things. First of all, if you hear a story that might be a little bit like yours, you feel a little bit less alone in what you're experiencing. And two, hearing stories that are not like yours develop a skill set called empathy. It helps us build bridges with other people whose stories are not like ours. It allows us to better connect in more meaningful ways with people that live across from us, work across from us, that are in our circles, but they may be experiencing something entirely different than what you've experienced. And so we share stories so that you can have a skill set called empathy for people whose stories are not like yours. So this month's story is Chris Cruz, and I am so excited to have Chris here today in studio. We have had an awesome time having a conversation about his life experiences. And I'm not gonna give anything away up front. I'm gonna just dive right into our conversation. So without further ado, Here's Chris. Well, welcome, Chris. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. I'm super excited to be chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Super just looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, well, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? uh, Who is Chris? And then we'll (laughs) jump in from there. Oh, man. All right. Well, I don't want to steal the show. I'll give you the short version. Uh, (laughs) My name is Chris Cruz. Um, and uh, 43 years old, got a wife and kids, uh, just moved out over here uh, to the uh, Eastern Washington area. Uh, big transition in our lives. Uh, all we ever knew was uh, the west side of uh, Washington. And so um, we're in a big new season right now. Um, but uh, as far as for, you know, um, who I am and what I'm about, man, it's just uh everything that I've experienced in life and things that I've learned. And, you know, what drives me is just an opportunity to share that with other people. And, um, you know, we got uh, a lot of big things going on uh, in this new space uh, out here in uh, eastern Washington. And uh, one of those things is uh, barbershop, opening up a barbershop out here. And, uh, you know, I just think that's the perfect opportunity and setting uh, to do, you know, what my heart wants and loves to do. And that's just uh, spend time with people and, you know, uh, share my story, share some encouragement and yeah. uh, also be encouraged and hear and learn about, uh, you know, other people's journeys. That's awesome. Well, yeah, l- let's jump right into that then. Let's let, let's talk <laughs> about your journey and your, your, your life. So, okay. um let, let's start with your childhood. Uh, okay. That's oftentimes where I just kind of jump into first because I think that's what makes someone who they are is I mean, right. your development starts there. So yeah. um, tell me a little bit about your childhood and oh my gosh, what it was like. Yeah, man. Um, well, you know, uh, I, I laugh about um, my childhood um, making a reference to like some Tupac lyrics <laughs> and, you know, uh, national statistics for, you know, uh, children, uh, being raised without fathers. Mm. Um, you know, if I could take it back just a little bit, uh, about, you know, um, my parents and things like that, uh, they kind of have that 
classic love story of the 70s, hmm. having met at a discotheque in <laughs> Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, they got married. Uh, that's where they lived. That's where I was born. Uh, my dad's a Marine. Uh, when he got out of hmm. uh, the duty or service there uh, at Camp Pendleton, uh, we moved up to uh, here to Washington. I uh, must have been like, uh, I don't know, maybe a year old or something like that. Oh, wow. So definitely consider myself a Washingtonian, uh, probably more so because I have no accent. So if I tried to claim myself <laughs> as like, you know, um, uh, an OG Tijuana resident, they'd be like, bro, stop. <laughs> I can't, you know, first of all, your English is way too good. No, but um, so raised out here in uh, Washington uh, pretty much all my life. Uh, grew up in Tulalip, okay. uh, the Tulalip Reservation. As a matter of fact, my uncle, who married my mom's sister, he's Tulalip native. So okay. that's how we ended up in Tulalip. And um, my father actually um, left when I was uh, three years old. Oh, wow. So him and my mom separated, divorced. And uh, I was pretty, I was uh, not pretty much, I was raised uh, by a single mom. Hmm. Uh, it's funny because I explained that my dad's a Marine and people wonder, you know, did you go into the service? And I say, <laughs> no, but I was raised by a single Hispanic woman. So that's boot camp in itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, hmm. so uh, we grew up on, on the res and, you know, a uh, little 20 foot travel trailer, uh, didn't have much. Um, we had, you know, a few little uh, short seasons of uh, moving away uh, to live in, you know, a townhome or apartment or something like that. But, um, you know, uh, it seemed like a, a cycle to end up back, and, uh, you know, in the trailer and things like that. And, you know, so uh, it was it was tough. Um, you know, can't imagine as far as a single parent goes, you know, mm-hmm. here I am married with kids and, you know, it's tough having all the pieces, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, super grateful for my mom and all of her sacrifice and, uh, things like that. Um, growing up in Tulalip, it's, uh, you know, a, a, a different place, you know, um, definitely hard knocks mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, kind of all in your face, um, as far as for, uh, life's challenges and things like that, because, um, everybody's going through it. Hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, that's a part of the experience growing up there. Um, what, what sort of things, if you don't mind me asking, like what, what were some of those things that were just life challenges that you either experienced or saw as a child on the reservation? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, well talking about like, for instance, um, uh, fatherless homes, hmm. right? So a lot of broken families and these types of things. Um, addiction is a big deal, right? Uh, drugs, alcohol, those types of things. Um, and probably out of all of that, what kind of is consistent about it is that um, people are frustrated. They're angry. They're uh, going through so many challenges that uh, there's conflict between each other. You know what I'm saying? And there's the typical, you know, um, uh, elementary school, middle school experience of, you know, bullying or, you know, those types of things. Um, but it's interesting to reflect and, and find out that actually there was so much more going on than just kind of a natural tendency for a kid to, you know, want to, um, uh, push his weight on, to, you know, another vulnerable kid or something like that. So, um, a lot of, uh, 
inner conflict, outer conflict, you know, um, going on in the, in those types of spaces. Yeah. yeah. What did you experience or how, what was your, your experience life in early childhood and even teenage years, not having a father present in your life? Like what were, what was your response to that yeah. and the impact on you? Yeah. Well, for instance, um, single mom, right. And, uh, since six years old, I was staying home by myself because my mom had to work uh, second shift or, oh, you know, geez. graveyard, swing shift, whatever it's called. So you're uh, six, six years old in the trailer by yourself? <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And here's the thing, though, right? What's even uh, scarier, if I could say it that way, is... Uh, all the superstition and crazy stories that a Mexican mom's going to tell you about the boogeyman or as we like to call it, Kukui, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or even just growing up on the res and these types of things I'm saying, right? I'm six years old. I'm scared of the dark to begin with. And yeah. then my mom really to keep me in check. One of the methods was <laughs> telling me scary stories about, hey, you know, uh, you're going to he's going to get you. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so like, I really didn't have much to, um, basically, uh, get involved in. If I could say it that way, I mean, after school, come home, lock up, there's food and nobody can come over. And when I call from work and you hear me on the answer machine, this is back in the day, mm -hmm. right? The answer machine. And yep. you know, my mom saying, Chris, Chris, pick up, pick up. Uh, if I don't pick up, then, you know, if she has to come to the house and check on me, I'm going to get a whooping and, uh, you know, uh, that type of thing. So, um, to a point sheltered, right. And so then with not having a father around or not having another parent around, right. Um, I wasn't, uh, I was limited in, in what, uh, my experiences would be maybe a, you know, um, I'm saying a person to talk to. Right. Yeah. Help me out with my homework. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Or keep me accountable to my homework, for instance. Right. Um, I didn't grow up doing any sports because the opportunity. Uh, well, the opportunities were there, but the uh, the resources, the reinforcements, mm -hmm. you know, to get me there yep. or, you know, my mom's raising her only child. And she's like, well, I don't want you to die. So, you know, <laughs> priorities. Uh, if right? I keep you in the house, Jeez. you know what I'm saying? Then. um I don't have to worry about that, yep. you know? So, mm -hmm. um, but leading into teenage years and things like that, as a matter of fact, um, I grew up in Tulalip until about mid sixth grade. Okay. And then my mom got a job at Boeing. And so, uh, like the Jeffersons, we moved on up <laughs> and, uh, you know, came to the other side of the tracks mm -hmm. and, uh, moved to Muckleteo. So okay. Muckleteo suburb South of, uh, the Tulalip, uh, reservation, uh, Marysville area. Uh, maybe about what, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes in 2023, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, but, uh, you know, it's a whole different world, mm. you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, you know, uh, people would hear Muckleteo if they're familiar with it and think that, you know, um, I'm saying that we moved on up to something, you know, extravagant, but it was just an apartment building and, you know, uh, was grateful for that. Right. And, uh, that's where we were until, you know, graduating through high school and things. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a, in sixth grade, that's, I mean, you're 
teenager right there, right? Like that, what, 12, 13 years Going old. That and like, transition, yeah. Yeah, and then you're transitioning into a new school district, like new everything, right? <laughs> yeah, It's a big change in life right there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm the new kid from, I'm not, I'm saying not from like a different school in the area or anything mm-hmm. like that. I'm from the res. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so all these kids pretty much grew up together and mm-hmm. they have that uh, bond, so to speak, or yeah. those things in common. And, you know, um, here I come from the res. My mom still picks my clothes and dresses me, <laughs> tries to walk me into class and introduce me to the class and things like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, um, yeah, man, uh, it was a big transition. Um, and, uh, you know, um, part of that transition and the hope for that was um, getting away from some really uh, hard things that had been going on within pretty much from like fifth grade. Mm. Um, and that was uh, relationship. So again, considering that, you know, my father wasn't around. Um, well, my mom, just like anybody else, is a person um, who wants and desires relationship, you know. And so um, in about fifth grade or so, my mom had met um, who would be eventually become my stepfather. Okay. Um, but man, it was uh, such a um, dangerous season, if I could say it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy, uh, ex-gang uh, member and... Um, you know, if I could say like a career criminal, oh, wow. you know what I mean? Uh, he was addicted to uh, crack cocaine. And uh, with all of that as part of who he was, uh, bringing it into the house and um, basically just kind of um, influencing, you know, our environment, it just made things incredibly unstable. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not that necessarily my mom um, participated or anything like that, but it's more so that um, she was always combating that, mm. right? Yeah. Um, she wanted a relationship so bad that, um, you know, in her attraction to my stepfather, um, she would uh, kind of reason, you know, with uh, those challenges mm. and uh, brush them off and, you know, it was worth it, so to speak, you know, to have relationship. And so then when we um, moved to Mukilteo, as a matter of fact, my stepfather had um, stolen one of my mom's cars and just basically left out of our lives. Hmm. And uh, I thought that, you know, we were free. Like, that's the end of that chapter. And you know, I remember vividly um, being in our, you know, new place in Mukilteo and uh, just in at nighttime in the evenings hearing my mom cry on the phone and she was just having conversations uh, with my stepdad, um, essentially talking about reconciliation and all this other kind of stuff. And man, I was just dreading uh, the possibilities, you know, of him coming back into our lives and all these types of things. And um, one day uh, my mom says, hey, let's go. Uh, we got to go somewhere. And I'm like, you know, where are we going? And she's like, uh, we're going to go pick up uh, Clark. And uh, I just 
broke down and was devastated, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I remember being in the back seat, uh, actually on the floor, just crying out to my mom, just please, please, you know, um, don't let him come back and all these types of things. And, uh, you know, those things, uh, in, in, in my opinion and, and the way that I felt was that uh, they just uh, fell on deaf ears, mm. you know what I mean? And um, needless to say, uh, he came back into our lives and, you know, um, despite the big transition, you know, um, we were experiencing a lot of the same things uh, that we, that I thought we were, you know, uh, escaping. Yeah. So that was really tough, man. You, you know, it seemed like you have a pretty good grip. Uh, I don't know if that's the right way to put it yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on what you experienced, right? Yeah. Like you've got it, like you're, you're in a really great place to now and in retrospect, be able to look back on these things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you talk about six years old, you're by yourself yeah. at home, right? Yeah. Like that's such a developmental piece of who a person becomes and yeah. is, right? Yeah. And then you're experiencing things on the reservation that are difficult to see and experience, mm-hmm. right? And you mm-hmm. talked about bullying and various drug use and all those kinds of things. Yeah. You don't have a father figure to look up to. Mm-hmm. Then the one guy that is brought into your life yeah. is a career criminal and then yeah. doing drugs and bringing that into the house. Yeah. Like, it, where are you at in this, right? Like, <laughs> when you're living in that, like, yeah. how, like, what, what what is your response to it, I guess? Yeah. Right? Like, how are you responding to this? Yeah. And processing it emotionally, mentally? You know, a word that comes to mind um, with when you're saying, like, you know, it seems like you got a grip on this, right? <laughs> um, the word that comes to mind is understanding, hmm. right? And... Um, so you asked me like, where am I at in all this? And, uh, at the time, and at the time, I guess I was just more of, um, I guess like naive to, I guess how dangerous and, uh, threatening and maybe even how vulnerable, um, <clears throat> the whole situation was um it wasn't until later on in life reflecting and really searching for understanding mm-hmm. that um i realized um all that i went through and you know i can see now that has had a impact on my life yeah uh, without even knowing yeah. right i mean okay so six years old right staying home alone right uh i used to think that i was a night owl Right. But when I reflect on being six years old at home alone, Mm -hmm. right. And filled with ghost stories, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Living out in the woods in a little trailer. (laughs) Right. Um, A six year old doesn't look at their clock and talk about, you know, oh, my gosh, look at the time. I better get to bed. bed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And wrap it up. Right. This is back in the day when TV used to turn off. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'd stayed up. I'd just stay up. You know, uh, all the lights on, you know what I mean? Yeah. And stay up as late as I could until TV went off. And if I wasn't asleep by then, you know, or the national anthem woke me up. This is back <laughs> in the day, bro. I don't know who's yep. listening and can rem- uh, remember that, but I know you do. Um, uh, if I wasn't asleep by then, I'd just pop in a VHS tape. You know what yep. I'm saying? And I'd watch a movie. That's another throwback. People yeah. Know VHS. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, uh I'd throw in a tape and I'm saying I would, I wouldn't go to sleep until I just basically passed out. Right. And, um, so, uh, 
the experience, you know, as a kid, uh, seeing all that kind of stuff, um, I don't think I really got had a grip on it or really mm-hmm. understood it, um, you know, and probably, though, what was happening without even knowing it is that I was reflecting on what was happening and I knew that that's not the way that things should be. Yeah. Right. Um, and so most of uh, the benefit or the value of having been exposed to that, at least, you know, um, with my mom's discipline, like I said, boot camp, right? Mm-hmm. Single Hispanic mom. Um, she didn't really give me any, you know, uh, leeway, yeah. uh, you know, um, one way or the other. It was always emphasis of, you know, do the right thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. faith was a big part of it. Uh, she raised me more so with the boogeyman Jesus, though, right? <laughs> and so it was an emphasis on he's going to get you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I always felt like somebody was watching me, yeah. right? And so I didn't even want to really um, attempt to get into any trouble or participate in anything that, you know, I saw that mm. um, I knew it wasn't, you know, something that I should be doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Where in this story, like we've talked up until about sixth grade and your transition yeah. into um, new school and new place, but it, where are you finding any sort of connection or community during this time, right? <laughs> like you got your mom obviously is a huge influence in your life, but right. you said you're not, you're not able to go do sports, right? right. Like you're by yourself. Like, yeah. it, wh- do you have friends? Do you have like other people other than your mom in your life where you're at least finding some form of community where you're, yeah. you don't feel alone in these things that you're experiencing or right. are you, or do you not? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I had to go to school. Right. There was no ifs, ands or buts about it. And so, um, you know, uh, that's what that's what was community for me. Hmm. Right. Is where I got to see my friends. I got to check out from the environment that I was living in Hmm. and enter an environment that was more structured. Yeah. Right. And these types of things. However, um, again, not understanding it then, but understanding it now, um, the way that I would um, kind of, uh, take it out, uh, in, in those spaces was I'd just be a a class clown Hmm. or I'd always be talking, you know what I'm saying? I can't imagine Chris always talking. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Seriously. Now I'm using it for good though. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. Of Um, course. Because I'm saying I was by myself. Yep. Right. Who am I going to talk to? Yeah. You know what I mean? I ain't going to lie. I talk to my animals, right? <laughs> Hamsters yeah. and cats and dogs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but they don't talk back. No, but, um, mm. you know, uh, that's where I found community. Um, yeah. If I could, you know, if we put it that way. Yeah. Um, however, you know, I, I, I even then didn't really reap the benefit of community, which was school. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, because I was talking, because I was a class clown, um, you know, it reflected in my um, GPA and my grades and mm-hmm. and, and my uh, success or, or whatnot at school. Yeah. yeah. So that was yeah. tough. Yeah. It, now let's talk about teenage years. Yeah. Right. So now you've transitioned <laughs> to Muckle Teo yeah. and your, your stepfather's coming back into your life. Like mm-hmm. what's, what are teenage years like for you and what happens? You know, um, it's a, it's just that 
transitional time of, of your life where, you know, you got ideas, you don't know where they came from, right? Uh, as far as like, you're empowered and emboldened to, you know, do things that you want to do and take action that you want to take, right? Um, that boogeyman Jesus is oh my a maybe a little bit less, uh, yeah, less of right. an impact and influence yeah, yeah. on you. Yeah. Oh, what? That's the boogie mouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> I ain't scared of him. Um, but like, you know, um, that's just it, right? You get this chip on your shoulder uh, transitioning from, if I could put it, just from a child to a teenager, mm-hmm. right? And um, you have this, uh, you know, that chip consists of uh, a false confidence, right? Um, and uh, just a boldness, you know, um, to rebel, mm-hmm. right? Uh, go against the grain, you know, uh, these types of things. And so um, I actually uh, became more, I guess, conniving or sneaky you know, uh, with, uh, delving into those things that at first, right. I knew that's not the right thing to do. Mm. Um, but I started to kind of meddle with, uh, you know, um, some trouble and, and those types of things. And then when you're a class clown and all your friends are immature as well, they think you're funny and they talk you up and, you know, um, like I was just, like I said, reinforced and empowered and emboldened by, you know, people hyping me up, you know, and that type of stuff. So, you know, um, I became a contributor to, you know, kind of that uh, instability in the house and things like that. My stepfather eventually um, left um, just, you know, just summing up that whole, all those years. Yeah. um, They were just unstable. They were violent. You know, um, I remember just remember I I used to stay up as a six year old because I was scared of the dark. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, later on as perhaps a 14 year old, 13 year old, 15 year old, whatever, uh, the beginnings of my teen years, I would stay up because I was scared of conflict. Mm -hmm. So hearing a noise, a thud or whatever in our apartment building, I'm thinking the worst that it's going to turn out into a full blown, you know, uh, domestic dispute. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about, you know, blood and broken walls and broken furniture. And I got to call the cops and all these types of things. Right. And so is that there as a teenager, you had to call the cops. Oh, yeah. Forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um you know, I mean, I was is a lot of it was out of despair, right? Because what am I going to do? You know, um, I try to get in the middle of it and I'm pushed out of the way, whether, you know, um, it's my mom trying to protect me or maybe even it's, uh, you know, both of them just they're so violent that I can't intervene. You know yeah. what I'm saying? They're just, you know, kind of just out of it, you know, they don't even know what's happening and, you know, um, they don't see me, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So you got to just watch it until, or hear it until you just can't take it. And then what are my options? I guess, you know, I'll call the cops. So, um, that's what, you know, um, a lot of it was, uh, kind of as a picture for just that instability and, and things like that. Um, and uh, so he left. Um, as a matter of fact, 
before he left, him and my mom, they had a child. Uh, that was my sister. She came around when I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, just to, again, share with just how crazy, you know, this time was, um, while my mom was admitted into the hospital, um, my stepfather came up with an idea to tell my mom, hey, we're going to go back to the house and we're going to go grab some things uh, for you and for the baby. And um, so we go back to the house. And actually, at this time, we had moved out of the apartment in Muckleteo okay. and moved into a trailer park uh, in uh, Everett, okay. uh, which just is the neighboring city. And uh, so we go back to the trailer and um, we didn't even get anything, man. Uh, he needed to get his fix. Oh, so he cooked up some crack in front of me and smoked it. And, you know, the whole place is smelling like sulfur. And uh, and we went back in time for my sister to be born. Oh my and gosh. Uh, my, my sister was, I, th I think, about six months old. Uh, and, uh, my mom, my sister and my stepdad had stopped by his mom's house and he says, I need to run in and grab something. And so they run in or excuse me, he he goes in my mom. Um, you know, you can't blame her for being suspicious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But time was taken, uh, too long. And so, uh, she goes in. She's carrying my sister in the car seat, you know, that little basket thing. And um, the door was cracked open. So she opened up the door and he sees him pulling down just big old bags of cocaine uh, from the uh, cupboard. And, uh, you know, she goes, so this is what you had to come and do, mother, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, my mom didn't play. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she's uh, upset and she's just like, you know, this is what you had to do. And, sh and he starts uh, kind of giving excuses about, you know, how much money this is and what we could do with it and da, 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 da. And uh, she said, look, I'm going to give you a choice. You can come back to the car with your wife and your daughter or you can stay here. And she went back to the car and he never came out. Hmm. And so that was the that was actually the end of um you know that uh that whole season uh, with my stepdad and things like that so trippy man what, i mean what a what a first 16 years of life <laughs> man i'm telling you i'm telling you when uh with all of this is your you, you mentioned that you got it you started getting into some trouble yeah um what if you don't mind sharing maybe <laughs> what some of that was or what that looked like yeah and I guess let's start. Let's start there. Yeah. I have another question, but let's maybe start there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, kind of the uh, the classic mischief. You know what I'm saying? Uh, whether it was stealing things or breaking things. You know, um, I was uh, big into um, graffiti, and mm -hmm. so uh, you know, I kind of uh, uh, took claim to a lot of buildings and uh, signs and all kinds of stuff, uh, putting my name on things. You know. Uh, or my tags and uh, makes sense that you're an artist now, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again, using it for good. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, 
but actually it um, also included drug use, uh, 15 years old, um, getting into smoking weed and drinking, you know, uh, 90s hip hop didn't help, Uh, (laughs) you know, 40 ounces, uh, just loaded in my backpack, walking around, they're clinking, you know, Um, so at school, you know what I mean? Uh, Smoking weed in art class. You know what I mean? Uh, just what in the world, you know? Um, wow. And so, you know, again, and you talk about uh, being at that age and having a grip or understanding on what in the world is going on and how are you responding to it. Yep. Um, now, I know, is uh, all of those things, whether it was class clown, talking in class, um, you know, mischief, uh, drug use, alcohol use, you know, um, smoking cigarettes. It was all a means of relief. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because um, we'd forget about it, right? I mean, it puts you in a zone mm-hmm. where um, you're quote unquote light on your feet. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you feel like all the weight has been let yeah. off, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got it. Um, you have to find an escape somewhere. Yeah. I mean, with what you're experiencing in your home life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it, man. That yeah. was it. And um I uh I indulged, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was uh, a constant and um it uh and it lasted for a while. Hmm. Yeah. Um I'm curious, uh, my mind's just going towards um we do a lot of talking to youth, but also just people who work with youth, right? Whether yeah. it's whether it's parents, care providers, but also just people in school, right? right? Teachers and administrators and counselors. And I'm just curious what maybe, what was the school's response to some of the mischief? <laughs> <laughs> if there was one yeah. and like, and if there's something that like, now knowing what you know as an adult, like mm-hmm. how to respond to a kid that you might not know a, a whole bunch about their home life, mm-hmm. but you're seeing the things that they're doing yeah. as uh, as the response to home life, right? right? Like so, like working with you as a child, as a kid, as mm-hmm. a teenager, mm-hmm. like how should a, a an adult, whether it be a teacher, a counselor, a community member, right? Like I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but like yeah. you've worked with kids, right? Yeah, like yeah. you've done youth work. Yeah. Like what what is that? what are the like what's the best way to approach those relationships yeah to work with kids that might be in that place and you don't know what's going on at home but you're seeing the things that they're doing right yeah Yeah. well you know first of all i never got caught (laughs) so (laughs) nothing was the first trick right (laughs) uh you know um there wasn't a there perhaps was a suspicion that I was into something. Sure. You know what I mean? But I wasn't caught with my hands mm. dirty. You know what I mean? So nobody could say, oh, well, you know, he's drinking or he's into drugs or, you know, whatever. And so mm. now you weren't kidding. I, you were you were sneaky. Yeah, man. Forget <laughs> about it. You know, so um those were those weren't um, you know, red flags yeah. where people could address and then let's start with that, right? Um, but where people could see um, there was something going on is that I wasn't going to school, mm-hmm. right? And so I was missing a lot of school. My GPA was like, uh, you know, a one point something, you know. <laughs> you got to uh, try pretty hard to get that low. Yeah, forget about <laughs> it, seriously. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so so not very many people 
you know, um, would necessarily, and, and I just played it off too, right? Mm. I mean, yep. I consider my, you know, um, ability to have a conversation a gift, right? Yep. But as well, you know, um, a gift for, if you will, smiling, right? I mean, class clown, mm-hmm. right? He's cracking up, making jokes. This is a funny guy, yep. right? Um, humor, he must be in a, you know, uh, just kind of a, a happy mood, happy zone kind of guy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So um, a lot of it was um, masked by, yeah. you know, uh, the smile on my face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, I mean, I wasn't, um, I, I didn't look like, yeah. you know, an addict or anything like that. Um, so people wouldn't wouldn't have any idea what was going on at home. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and also, you know, the my friends and things like that, people were into way harder things mm-hmm. than I was into, right? I mean, it's a trip, right? First of all, Mukilteo, sub, the suburb, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, also to think about teenagers involved in and using cocaine, mm-hmm. right? Um, abusing prescription drugs, right? Uh, Heroin. I mean, these things are, that sounds crazy, right? Uh, So then if you're not into those, oh, he's just smoking weed and drinking beer. An adult might be like, oh, I do that too. You know what I'm saying? And he ain't going to die. But did he die, right? (laughs) No, but, um, you know, so uh, people were unsuspecting, right? Um, Although there were some clues like, okay, well, grades are down, participation is down, attendance is down. Um, there were, there were a few, probably, you know, um, one teacher in particular, um, Miss Coleman, uh, who's still in our lives today. Hmm. Um, you know, she would, I mean, I was kind of her bad kid student, you know? Um, but as far as for anybody else that I could consider, um, you know, actually taking the time, I think that she, um, was suspecting, I didn't really, you know, uh, unpack everything to her. Um, but to a point, you know, um, she was probably the only one that gave me the benefit of the doubt, um, that there's gotta be something else, you know, going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that, right. Um, to encourage, uh, uh, school staff, counselor, or really just, you know, any adult that might, you know, have an opportunity to, um, interact or engage, right? Um, to just, uh, how do you say, like, um, take that first step to get to know, you know, um, somebody, mm-hmm. right? So like, okay, if you're in school, then it's kind of your job, right? Like you yes. should know the students, you know, uh, so you can reinforce their path, right? Mm-hmm. And, and their success at school. So if it's for that, well then, you know, um, don't look straight at what you see on the outside, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Like you don't smell like weed, right? Cover, you right? smell you like know. cigarettes, yeah. right? Uh, there's alcohol on your breath or, you know, you dress like this group or, you know, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, begin with actually being interested in, you know, um, well, I guess knowing their story, you know what I'm saying? 
um, learning about their journey. Yeah. You know, so. It, tell me about that teacher a little bit more, right? Like you just, you mentioned she's still in your life today. <laughs> <laughs> it's trippy, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, she actually was um, started off as my eighth grade teacher, uh, Miss Coleman, Angie Coleman. Uh, and, uh, she, uh, was my eighth grade math teacher. And, uh, to this day, <laughs> I love reminding her about our interaction where again, class clown, this guy won't shut up in class. Right. Um, and, uh, she goes, uh, Mr. Cruz, get over here, calls me to the desk. Right. And she goes, uh, if we have a problem here, we can go at it and I'll come down on you like a hurricane. And I'm just like, what in the world? Are you allowed to talk to me like that? <laughs> uh, but that was kind of our, uh, the beginning of our relationship, right? And um, just going forward, um, had her through high school, you know, um, in various classes, um, had to repeat those classes. Uh, so I had her multiple times, you know, as my teacher and, um, actually coming out of high school, graduating, um, her and my wife or my then girlfriend, and we had been dating since junior year of high school, my girlfriend, or my, how do I explain that? You're not now wife. My now wife, yeah. my then girlfriend, <laughs> we started dating in junior year of high school. Um, they ran into each other after we graduated and um, that conversation turned into my wife becoming her uh, one and only child's nanny for the first nine oh, wow. years of his life. Um, and, uh, so we all That's became crazy. kind of family together, you know That's what I'm awesome. saying? And actually, as we went on with, you know, our relationship, our, our lives and things like that, it probably wasn't until about, and we're talking 97, mm -hmm. right? Here we are 2023, but like, it wasn't until maybe the last three years that, uh, I actually, uh, unpacked and explained to her all that was going on in my life. Oh, wow. And she was just, she was shocked, right? Mm -hmm. And in her own words, you know, I knew something was going on, but man, if I would have known Chris, you know, I would have, um, I don't know what I would have done, but I certainly wouldn't have, um, or I certainly would have wanted to do more, yeah. you know? But that's what I'm saying, right? Is the opportunity to learn mm -hmm. about, you know, uh, and unpack somebody's story or, their journey, right, yep. is the opportunity, or excuse me, um, makes for more opportunity yep. to how you can be a reinforcement in their life. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And maybe you're not even the one that's going to, you know, um, reinforce them, but maybe connect them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Take it yep. a step further. Well, and it's uh, it also shows the impact of, like, she didn't have to know all those things right. to still have an impact on you, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. she, she didn't have to like, waited twenty something years to find <laughs> all that out, right? Right. But yeah. in those moments back then, she still was able to have enough of an impact on you, yeah. Simply by just being there, yeah. like being a, a good presence in your life, yeah. Seeing you for being Chris in those moments a bit, like yeah. And you know what I would say? Probably what stood out was. Um, having, even if it was just a sliver of interest, mm -hmm. right? I don't think I'm imagining it. I believe that there was an, there was a time during, you know, high school years that she had asked what's going on. Yeah. You know, and I probably lied to her 
or just played it off mm-hmm. or something like that. You but, know what I but mean? She, you knew she cared. Yeah. You know, and uh, and she's funny, though. Uh, she was young. You know what I'm saying? So perhaps closer to um, if I could put it this way being able to communicate in the language of a young person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Which, you know, it kind of makes a young person open up a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, So. That makes sense. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about the wrapping up kind of childhood, but like high school, Mm -hmm. met your girlfriend, now wife, Um, (laughs) you you know, junior high, you're going through mischief. Does that go yeah. into high school? What's, what's, what's high school and then post high school like? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, it was just, um, you know, uh, more of the same, but it was compounding, right? So um, compounding to the point where then there's fallout, right? So, you know, okay, you get a fix and you get a relief, right? But then reality sets in. You know what I'm saying? And then for my then girlfriend at the time, right? Um, I took that relationship very seriously. You know what I'm saying? The way I figured was that um, that was the relationship that I was looking for and missing and had a void for in my life. You know what I mean? And this isn't a person who, you know, um, I only see in the community setting of school, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I get to see you before and after school, right? Uh, Talk to you whenever I want and these types of things. Uh, What happened is after a year of first dating, um, she broke up with me. (laughs) Oh, snap. Uh, well, shoot, that's a lot of pressure to put on her, man. It is a lot of pressure. <laughs> and you got to be the one to fill the void of all this know, stuff. And I'm saying, you know, um, back then I didn't realize it. Yeah. Right? I thought that, you know, um, this is just natural. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I really took the relationship um, to a whole nother level of, you know, um, how would you say, commitment and these types of things. Uh, in a very unhealthy way, right? Mm-hmm. And so then, again, maybe that relationship was to a point like a high, mm-hmm. right? And uh, a relief yep. from my disaster relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because in my rebellion and things like that, I mean, now my dad's not, or excuse me, my stepfather's not a part of the mix, so he's not contributing to the drama, but drama still exists. Mm-hmm. I do believe that my mom had a part Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly had a part in it as well. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and um, even if your stepfather's not in the mix anymore, you still right. have 16 years of baggage. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. You know, and so um, when we broke up, right, okay, the high was gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what am I left with? I'm back down to reality. Um, if I could say rock bottom, because my life is just in turmoil, it's unstable. I mean, what do I go home to? You know what I'm saying? Drama, right? Um, and uh, where do I, what do I have to look forward to in school? You know, I just, I'm, I'm blowing it, right? Yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to graduate, you know? Um, so replaced um, that, if you will, um, or I filled 
that available time now, extra available time, um, with just hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Hanging out with uh, my friends, uh, hanging out with uh, even older people that I probably shouldn't be hanging out with, you know, um, and just more weed, more alcohol and, uh, you know, more sleeping in the daytime when I should be at school, hmm. you know, um, and uh, and these types of things. So um, it was uh, it was difficult. And a lot of it now I realize it was, uh, you know, self-induced. You know, I didn't have anybody to blame, but uh, the way that I was taking it out or responding to, you know, um, and, and looking for some relief. Yeah. You know, some way, somehow. Yeah. So, that so that. yeah, I mean, it's a series of, of broken relationship yeah. all along the way. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. trying to find somewhere that there's there's. I'm assuming this sense of emptiness and loneliness that you're just trying to find somewhere to fill it some way, somehow, whatever Mm -hmm. that way is. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, um, you know, it, uh, it was just vicious cycles, you know, um, it turned into then now, you know, uh, conflict with so-called friends, right. Or, you know, we've actually reconciled, but I mean, you know, uh, the it started leaking into my life I kind of, if I could say it that way so like broken relationships in the home right mm-hmm. started leaking into broken relationships outside of the home yep. so okay I break up with my serious girlfriend and you know then there's um kind of a back and forth and you know probably broke up like three times <laughs> in two years or something like that you know um and then you know um so-called friends, uh, you know, I say it that way just because, you know, well, if you have my back, then you'll indulge with me, right? Mm -hmm. And, or, you know, if uh, you have my back, then, you know, um, you're, well, just that, you're gonna be by my side, but but you're not, you know? So um, it's just, like I said, the fallout is just spilling over, Yeah, you know, so. So what changes? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you're 16, 17, 18 years old, going Mm -hmm. through series of broken relationships, not Mm -hmm. sure if you're going to graduate high school, getting Mm -hmm. into trouble. Yeah. And now you are who you are today. (laughs) So, like, when when and what happens from there to make you who you are now? Yeah, man. Well, um, so I was set to graduate in 97 um, at 17 years old and... uh, I did not have the credits to actually achieve that. And we broke up, again, that serious relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started dating in 96, we broke up in 97. And in April of our senior year, I decided to leave early. And so I dropped out of school. <laughs> and that's where, you know, I just went all in with, with all that stuff, right? And um, just drinking and, you know, uh, smoke weed, all that other kind of stuff. And um, reality set in getting closer to then now the next school year starting. And Chris, congratulations, you're going to be a super senior, you know. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, I, I can't do that. Right. Um, <laughs> and there was an alternative school uh, called ACES in Everett. And uh, I enrolled into there. 
on my own. Um, and there was a, uh, uh, a course called Cyber School or there was an option called Cyber School. This is how long ago it was, right? Nobody <laughs> says cyber. Um, so Cyber School is like an online type thing, but it was okay. at the school, right? And it started at three o'clock in the afternoon. Perfect for a lazy bum that's going to sleep all day, right? <laughs> and so uh, three o'clock and, you know, for all of my missing credits, um, I just uh, was determined, you know, um, had kind of this enough is enough, right, um, attitude that I just busted it all out and in three months uh, made up all of my credits, uh, including um, having submitted to the school superintendent an appeal for some uh, missing credits uh, from like freshman mm -hmm. and sophomore years uh, where it was, especially freshman year, I was missing school more so because of, like I was saying, staying up at night and whatever. Yeah, family I'm, things. You know, yeah. Uh, so I explained that. Um, so part of the appeal w included, you know, those credits um, from those times. Um, and so I did it. I, I pursued and I had, took accountability, you know, for what it's going to take and acknowledging my part in, you know, um, being behind and, mm. you know, just applying myself. And so I talk about my GPA 1.26 or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, brag about graduating with like a 3.9 something, something, you know, uh, for, you know, the three months that I, <laughs> <laughs> but it counts, count it. Uh, so, uh, that's where it began, right? Okay. So done with high school, Got that off my back, right? Um, and then I figure I'm free. You know what I'm saying? Now what am I going to do? Yeah. And uh, that's the one place you found community for the last however many years, right? Right. right. And so it was, you know, um, time to get a job, mm -hmm. right? Make some dough. And actually, my first job was at 15 years old doing auto detail and stuff like that for an auto body shop. But um, then I'm like, okay, real dough. Right. And so um, I was working some warehouse jobs and uh, making money and, you know, uh, bought a car, took a loan for a car and, you know, that type of thing and um, decided to pursue, uh, you know, um, a technical college, things like that. They called me in to um, the office at uh, the college and it was during my first final of the school year. And they said, sorry, Chris, but uh, your transcripts are incomplete. And so uh, we can't let you continue until you resolve this. And so um, I was so upset, right? Because I feel like I was being haunted with my past, yeah. right? Like I thought I'd wrap that up, right? Why are you messing all of this up, right? And so um, I left and I took care of it to square up my transcripts, but I was like, forget you guys, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I actually moved up to Bellingham uh, with some friends and uh, thought that, you know, we were we were young adulting, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> now we live on our own, right? No parents, right? Yeah. Uh, no more teachers, dirty looks, or however that stuff goes, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, um, it, we just, you know, I thought we had made it to the next level because we were just living it up on our own mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, 
it was a different situation though, um, where, you know, my roommates, um, uh, one of them had this kind of, um, if I could say, uh, an advantage, right. Where as long as he went to school, uh, he was supported, uh, financially and things like that. Right. And then there was another, uh, roommate where, you know, he was a hard worker. He didn't necessarily have that set up, but, um, he's kind of in his own zone and whatever. And, you know, I'm barely, uh, trying to get a grip on something consistent um, that is working to pay my part of the bills and mm-hmm. all this other kind of stuff. But I have this, you know, um, desire to just wild out, you know, because now I'm in Bellingham, right? And this is college town, right? And so forget about it. I'm getting mixed up with, you know, folks outside of the home, not my roommates. Um, they're older and they're into all kinds of stuff. And so, like I said, just wilding out, right? Um, it came to a point where the relationship in the house um, just, again, all too familiar with, you know, conflict and we're kind of, you know, losing that loving feeling, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I just said, all right, I can't deal with this. So with my tail between my legs, I went back home and asked my mom if I could, you know, uh, move back in and, um, and I just had this, again, like this enough is enough type of, uh, uh, attitude where it's like, man, I don't want to depend on anybody. I don't want to ask anybody for anything. I don't want to rely on anybody. And what it's going to take is me, um, going to work and making money so that it affords me, you know, what I want, you know, freedom, uh, independence and these types of things, right? My own place, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so I did that. Um, I, you know, had to do what I had to do. So I was working at, you know, like a U-Haul and these types of things. And I said, man, I can't make it, you know, with U-Haul money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and I was just too anxious to even go through the process, yeah. you know? And so I was like, I got to, um, you know, um, take it up a notch. So I kind of, um, just changed up everything. And so the way I spoke, the way I presented myself and I went for those, if you will, corporate jobs, Hmm. um, started, uh, you know, as a night auditor at a hotel then I was a travel agent. And then I was a, uh, dining room manager of a restaurant, uh, fine restaurant. And, um, then, uh, into sales and, uh, eventually aerospace. And so it, you know, uh, applying myself, uh, to, to kind of play the part, Mm -hmm. but also, uh, take the steps necessary in order to reap the benefits. Yeah. You know, um, that's what happened at about the age of 19. Hmm. And so then, you know, fast forward, it was about at 32 years old when, um, And by this time, my wife and I, you know, had been married since. uh, So my then girlfriend who broke up with me three Mm -hmm. times and, you know, just didn't see the light at the time, Uh, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, eventually got married in 2004. So we've been married for, you know, uh, several years and we got kids now and these types of things. And uh, at the age of 32, 2012, uh, I had a massive panic attack, anxiety attack. Hmm. And um, man, I thought I was dying. You know, if anybody's been through that, um, they would share that same 
you know, experience that, um, you think it's the end. And, um, it started making me reflect on where am I going? You know what I'm saying? What am I doing? And how, how does this happen when, you know, um, I quote unquote got my life together, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so it began that journey, if you will, of seeking and searching for more understanding about just the journey so far and then what's next, hmm. you know? And um, in 2014, I just was uh, emboldened, encouraged, uh, take a leap of faith. And uh, I just really believe that corporate world wasn't where I was supposed to be and really where I was supposed to end up. And uh, I had a passion and a drive for um, helping people, uh, particularly through um, hearing their story and encouraging them through my story. And uh, I just knew I couldn't do that uh, full time in corporate world. So I left. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so that was a big leap of faith. Um, ended up connecting, uh, reconnecting with a buddy from high school. He owned a barbershop. And uh, he's like, man, you need to come hang out at the barbershop. Great things happen here. And uh, I know you'll, you know, you'll love it. So I did it. I loved it, of course. And uh, he was like, yo, you should, you know, uh, I know you know how to cut hair. You cut hair back in the day. You know, you should join the team. And um, I looked into it, joined the team if you will, and um, did barbering for uh, a couple years, um, 2015, 16, 17. And um, then through relationship, uh, met a dear friend um, who, two dear friends, uh, that over time our relationship grew and they offered me to come on board. Uh, one had offered me to come on board to be the uh, associate pastor of uh, a church campus mm -hmm. that he was a uh, pastor over. And then another um, offer was uh, from my other friend was to be the director of a at-risk youth uh, outreach uh, in Everett on Casino Road. Uh -huh. um, and I accepted them both. And, uh, you know, that was definitely a catalytic moment in my life mm -hmm. of, um, if I could say, living for purpose, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, because everything leading up to that was just, I mean, we just, I don't know how long I've been talking, but for <laughs> however long I've been talking, right? People are listening or you're listening and, you know, it's like, where is this going? You know what I'm saying? And how did you end up, like yeah. you asked, right? How did you end up on this side of it? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, so that was the beginning of it. And mm. both of those opportunities, um, really um, provided the the platform, the opportunity, the environment um, to do what my heart desired. And that was, I want to help people, yeah. you know, um, I want to learn their, uh, I want to hear their story, share my story and uh, them together would, you know, um, help us, uh, well, help them mm. to move forward. I didn't yeah. realize that it would also help me to move forward. That's amazing. Yeah, man. I'm curious. <laughs> I got. I have a couple of questions, kind of to tie a bow on some of this. Oh, yeah. uh, first one: Where in the process of all of this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've 
<laughs> all the way until, I mean, you <laughs> went to Bellingham and were with people and even broken relationships there because you yeah. don't know how to have good relationships, right? right? Like, where in the process do you learn to have good relationships with people, right? Like, because yeah. now you've got, you've been married for a number of years, like, I know your wife, like you guys are amazing <laughs> together, but like you don't, you didn't have that example growing yeah. up, right? Like where do you learn to have not only relationship with wife, but just relationship with other people yeah. that isn't broken? Right. Well, uh, when was, um, I started to value myself, if I mm. could say relationship with myself, right? Uh, value myself enough to again say enough is enough and want to apply myself right because um, the truth is is it was for me right and the things that I wanted in my life yeah. right um, and then out of that would then consider value of other people right um, I say it you know maybe every day just, relationships matter. You know what I mean? So the value of another person adds value to yourself when you work together because it's like, you know, two are better than one, right? Yep. Um, then the where, if you will, um, was in my, um, in my, I guess, a leap of faith um, just to... Um, have an experience with God. Hmm. You know, that was in 2013. Um, part of that enough is enough experience was, um, uh, I had enough of my own plans. You know, I kind of break my, I kind of break my life up into, um, three, uh, three areas, you know, there was that time as a kid and it was um, that part of my life, that time of my life was my mom's plans. You know, I wasn't in control and calling shots, right? I was relying on my mom and she tried her best. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then the second portion was my plans, right? And where? Uh, okay, now I call the shots, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it, it was so clear that I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't good at that, you know? Uh, my motives were wrong, right? Um, again, not having understanding, you know? Um, part of that motivation was bitterness, you know what I mean? And uh, spitefulness and anger and uh, those types of things. So, you know, when that's your motivation and that's your drive for wanting to succeed, you know, even if you make it, you are not satisfied. Why? Because the, those roots of bitterness and et cetera, right, uh, they got faces attached to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so you don't get to, uh, if you will, uh, put a bow on, <laughs> on those um, experiences, right? Yeah. And so... Um, they they stick with you, right? Mm -hmm. And then in 2013, um, I came to a place uh, for me in my life where, you know, um, 
okay, enough is enough with my plans. God, you said you got a plan for me, you know, and it's a plan for hope and a future, not disaster or harm. And disaster was the first leg. Harm was the second leg that was self-inflicted, you know, and uh, enough is enough. So, all right, I'm all in. Let's go. And, um, you know, it uh, began with uh, just getting into, you know, uh, God's word, the Bible, and um, starting with the four gospels and learning about a man named Jesus and, you know, um, a lot of his uh, words spoke about the value for a person, you know, um, his love for me, right? Says that there's, that that's, that's where it points out there's value for me, right? And then to go and, you know, uh, love others. Okay. Well then now we're talking about value for others, mm. right? And so, um, those were the, the seeds, you know, of that attitude, um, value for me, value for others. And, um, it's where, you know, it got started. Um, just a whole, whole nother mindset, man, you know, and a whole nother, um, outlook Hmm. and perspective looking at my past as, you know, uh, not something to, um, forsake or that what a waste of time, right. Considering, you know, Hey, if you could go back and change it, (laughs) right. Um, why would I change it? Because, you know, everything led up to that moment. Right. Yeah. And it leads up to, you know, where my heart's at and why I do what I do and, um, and these types of things, man. So, um, that's the where and the when, and, um, and it's just been amazing. It's been an adventure since, and, you know, um, not everybody can relate to the, you know, the faith, um, aspect of it. Right. Um, however, I think that most and maybe, you know, the rest of people can um, relate to when you start to care about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You start to prioritize yourself and you take accountability and ownership that, you know, no one else is going to do it for me. Yep. You know what I mean? And even if they did, right, do I want that over my head? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nothing's for free. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, people want to be free of debt, right? Uh, and that comes, that can be in, you know, a variety of ways, mm. right? It can be financially. It could be in owing somebody a favor. You know what I mean? Okay, I scratch back. What did that go? Scratch, scratch your back. Scratch your back. On yeah, the, scratch yeah, your backs. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So, um, you know, I think most people can... Um, you know, um, either they relate to the faith um, aspect or they relate to the, you know, enough is enough mm-hmm. and, you know, nobody else is going to do it but me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, man, thank you for sharing all that, man. This, <laughs> Did this you is even remarkable. talk to him in this? I don't even know. <laughs> no, man. it's good. It's not my story being told. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, the, the last question that I have, um, Maybe it's two questions, and I do this too much. But I, 
such a significant part of your story is um, you started off the the entire conversation about who you are with fatherlessness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just the impact, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess anything that you would want to share, first of all, with anyone that's going through that, right? Mm-hmm. Kids that go through fatherlessness that mm-hmm. are experiencing either no father in the home or even abuse in the home or, yeah. you know, stepfather in the home and like just, and maybe in capturing all of this is maybe the real question is just broken relationships. But I, I think fatherlessness is a really important one to just call out. Yeah, man. Um, so anything that you want to talk about just to wrap up the conversation around yeah. that subject, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I reconnected with my dad after 29 years and uh, I sought him out um, and uh, eventually found out how to get a hold of him and uh, reached out to him. I, how was I, 31 or something like that? And um, I, uh, I left him a message. He called me back and, you know, he was like, um, hey, son, you know, uh, hey, there's a lot of things to share with you, a lot of things to tell you. And I said, hold up, Dad. I said, look, if you want to explain about why you left and all this other kind of stuff, you know what? I made up in my own heart already that you didn't leave because of me. And so whatever, you know, uh, you got to say about that, uh, I mean, I'll listen if you want me to listen. Uh, but I've made up in my mind and my heart that that had everything to do with you and my mom and y'all's relationship, not the relationship between you and me. What could I do? I was three years old. What I do? You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I said that and you can hear him crying on the phone, you know, and so he's a mess. I'm a mess. You know, um, I'm a snotty crier. So it was, a, it was a mess. And, uh, um, you know, I just said, uh, look, I reached out to you because I'm in a better place in my life. And, you know, I got a wife and kids. That means you got, you know, um, grandkids, you know, and these types of things. And I just want to go forward and share that with you if, if that's something that you want to, you know. And so mm-hmm. uh, my first encouragement um, for, you know, people who experienced fatherlessness is um, you're not to blame. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Come on. You know, um, it's the, it's the father, it's the parent that has the responsibility to stick around. You know what I'm saying? That's not on you. And, you know, the other side of it, um, the faith perspective Man, that's what's so amazing about God's word is that he says that I will be and I am a father to the fatherless. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, if that's what people would pursue by faith, you know, and seek that relationship, well, there's a huge promise in it. And um, and that's my testimony. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I think with both of those, it covers the basis mm-hmm. for anybody and everybody to start, mm. right? Um, if you blame yourself, you'll take it out on yourself. 
You know what I mean? Um, and when you're reconnected, there's an opportunity for, you know, um, to choose, you know, um, where do we go from here? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm saying reconnected with your biological dad, you know, uh, or by faith with your heavenly father. Um, that would be my encouragement hmm. for folks. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, you're an inspiration, and just uh, your story is going to impact kids. It does impact kids, right? I mean, it's uh, it's remarkable, and uh, just super grateful for you to be a part of this with us. Yeah, man. And to share your story through this is uh, yeah something that uh, we honor, and I don't take lightly, man. So, thank you. Is there any any last words of just, uh, I feel like we've gone through kind of, I mean, a lot, yeah. a lot of, of uh, difficult life things and uh, yeah. uh, wrapping up with landing on fatherlessness. It's a great encouragement, but like yeah. any just uh, fun last things to say or uh, you know, words of inspiration or wisdom for us. Yeah, man. Um, and... <laughs> Uh, y'all really just got the cliff notes, man. That, that's, that's the condensed version, you know? Um, good thing is we can have lots of coffee, coffee conversations right, after yeah, this, forget Chris. About it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to, you know, uh, talk with anybody else too. But, uh, you know, again, you had mentioned that you had asked, like, how did you get a grip? Right. Or it seemed like you had a grip on what you were going through. Right. And I said that I didn't, understand it until later on in life. Right. Right. And so my encouragement, some, some final words would be for people to seek and search to understand their story, their journey so far, because there are clues. There are clues about your destiny, your assignment, your purpose, your value. Right. Um, and don't run away from it. Don't forsake it. And don't let anybody tell you that, you know, um, there isn't anything in there for you. Um, because I'm saying there are clues, you know, the class clown, you know, Mr. Talks a lot, right? Uh, there is a clue, right? <laughs> that this guy actually um, is, um, has a has a gift for, interacting with people, yep. you know what I'm saying? Uh, a personality for a relationship, you know, um, all the broken relationships, a clue that, uh, this guy values relationship. Why? Because it had been non-existent or it had been so traumatic that, um, you know, uh, you, 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 you were missing something, you want something, you know, relationships is what it was. So there's that. And, um, you know, uh, okay. This is super, um, deep right here, but <laughs> you know, I believe that in gaining that understanding, uh, it helps us to, um, answer five questions that I believe are the, um, biggest questions for anybody's life. Who am I? Where am I from? Why am I here? What can I do? And where am I going? When you unpack and understand your story, your journey so far, and you continue to go forward with searching 
for those answers to those questions, man, you will be unstoppable. Hmm. You will be in your zone to the point where, you know, um, everything just opens up. Now you're going with the grain, you know, and not getting sidetracked from all the distractions that exist and, you know, out there, you know what I mean? You're yeah. focused, you have a, you have vision, you got a mission, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's it for now, man, man. before I, that's, <laughs> I'll talk that's, another two hours. Bro. <laughs> no, that's so good. I, I love that. And it's just, that's a, such a practical takeaway, right? To yeah. just take some time and list those five questions out on a piece of paper even, and just yeah meditate over those for a bit, right? Like spend some time just diving into that and spending Mm -hmm. time learning more about yourself and reflecting on it and taking time just visioning for the future too. And I think that's just such a simple takeaway to take from this. So, Mm -hmm. and then if anyone's ever in the Chelan Manson area, they can swing by (laughs) and get a haircut from you and they can have a conversation all about this and what they wrote down. Yeah, and I promise to listen. I won't do all the talking. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Valley Barber, yeah. Uh, out here in Manson and, and you know the heart behind it is really that it's a it's a safe place it's a gathering place uh, especially for the youth you know what I'm saying yep. um, and uh, you know the bonus is a haircut you know you'll leave fresh and uh, <laughs> would it be too much to say your life's gonna be better you know what <laughs> I I'm don't saying? think so like you're gonna be fresh and clean <laughs> and you yeah. know everything's gonna go your way every time I've left a conversation <laughs> with you my life's been better Chris so. oh my gosh <laughs> I appreciate you guys I appreciate everything y'all do and you know I'm uh, so looking forward to working with y'all more um, anything that I can do I will and you know um, I'll start just by spreading the word and y'all keep doing what you're doing and you know um and yeah, man. So I appreciate y'all. Awesome. Thanks for being on, Chris. I had such a great time today with Chris in studio. Chris has become one of my really good friends, uh, as well as my barber and my kid's barber. And I just really enjoyed getting to know his story. It's an inspiration to me, uh, just at a deep personal level, uh, to become a better father. Uh, He is uh, someone who's just encouraged and inspired me personally. And so I hope that came through today on the podcast. I hope you really enjoyed the time that we had with Chris in studio and listening along with part of his story. If you enjoyed listening to Chris, be sure to follow the rest of season two of the I Know Lonely Project. This is just one of nine stories that we'll be telling this year. And if you haven't seen Chris's video, be sure to check out the link in the show notes. There are also resources available there in the show notes. Finally, if you want others to find Chris's story, uh, along with the other nine that are coming this season, it is so helpful if you leave us a five-star rating and review. That helps us get a bigger audience and more people engaged with what we're doing here at the I Know Lonely Project. Thank you again for listening along, and I'll catch you on the next episode.